I got hit with a thousand gallon propane bottle on a, on a boom truck, which didn't kill me, praise God. Um, but it did send me flying through the air like I was a little kid's doll. And uh, it busted my knee and, and kind of changed the whole course of quite a few things. And, and then I went through weight loss surgery, part, partly due to because that my knee wasn't recovering. Um, how, many, how many does when you're over 300 pounds, it's hard on your knees anyways? Uh, and then when you continue to have knee problems and you know what? Uh, so it's kind of God has been leading and guiding. You know what? He is doing something uh, that's starting to come alive. Uh, I'm just going to share a little bit as we get into that. But I also want to share that too for ones to understand because this morning is that understand that in every church, God takes things to a season on purpose because he sees what's his and what ain't his. When storms come, some of those storms, when it talks about the houses that were built on the sand and on the rock, when it talks about the wind, when it talks about the rain, those are also pictures of the Holy Spirit in the Bible, not just the enemy. And there are times when things come that God has to say, hey, I've got to clean some stuff up because I'm ready to build. And, and we needed some time to be there. In fact, when we first started... God was very clear with us up there. When he talked to me, he told me, he said, you're going to go up there and you're going to relax. Anybody ever have one of those dogs you always have to tell, relax? It's usually a terrier mix. It's like, relax, little dog. You're ready to strangle it. Relax, little dog. And God does that too. He's like, relax, Damon. Take a break. Relax. And And he began to tell me when we first moved there, I've got to get some things in place before it's ready. So you need to relax. You need to be here, but you've got to relax. You need to be faithful, but you have to relax. And boy, that's hard to do. I don't know about you. Some people can do it. I can't do it. It was driving me stir crazy. Every time I started asking God, as soon as I started talking to him, it's like, Damon, you're going to have to relax. You're going to have to have faith in me. You're going to have to trust me. This is about me. This ain't about you. And, and so we went through a, quite a period of time, probably, when did you and Doug come up? In May? So probably about two months before May, before those guys came up, because I, you know, every once in a while I'd ask God, one Sunday I asked God, I said, God, is it time yet? You know, it was Sunday morning, I was doing my, I was doing, getting ready for my message and stuff, and we were having church just impartial at the time, and we'd have anywhere from 20 to 40 to more come just depending on a Sunday, and, and things are growing steady, but it's like we're supposed to be doing so much more, um, and I said, is it time? And God said, yes, it is, and it's like, really? I said, well, then show me. <laughs> I was like, I was going to jump on that right away. I've been ready. Well, show me something today, and he said, okay, and so I went to church. I was excited. Went to church. A couple that we've been working with, um, I'll bring them with us here sometime, George and Winona Goodleft. Uh, George is my age. Uh, uh, amazingly enough, when we were both about 19, 20, we used to play in basketball tournaments together in South Dakota. Uh, George went through a hard deal of, of losing everything, alcohol and drugs, living on the streets. Um, God saved him for about four years, and he's got a call to be an evangelist, and he is a real deal. And he, he came to church because him and his wife were so frustrated trying to see what they're supposed to do in the kingdom. And that morning, things, something just broke. They just wept through service. We took them home, talked to them. You know what it was? It says, you know what? It's time. Let's start branching out. Let's start doing more. Those two came alive like you won't believe. Um, within a matter of a couple weeks, we were starting in, in White Shield, North Dakota. 
And then in Newtown on Wednesday, so we, we'd have a, a partial Sunday morning service, a White Shield Sunday night service, and then Wednesday night we meet at the college in Newtown, the community college. And uh, those groups start growing to over 20. I mean, we're like 20, 22, 24 in, in, in Newtown right now. But God is bringing in people who have been looking. Uh, we had one service, and this is just, and this just began to quickly snowball. Um, I know when I talked to, had Glenn and Doug come up, they were amazed at the people who were coming and excited. But what it was is we ran into so many people trying to serve God on their own but had a call of God on their life and didn't know what to do. Uh, right now, we've got at least five different young ministers who are in the place of training who are wanting to get up and run, and, which is nice. And, but at the same time, they're coming, and, and we've got ones in our Wednesday night group when they come together. And these, understand, these aren't all just kids. I've got some ones who are younger. And by younger, I mean uh, 40 and under. <laughs> And we've got some ones who, who are in their 50s hitting 60, who are brand new believers, who are full of excitement. I've got one guy, if I ever bring him, I'll just cut him loose here. His name is Sonny Bear, and he's, he's, he's broke horses for 35 years. Uh, he came out of Indian religion. He would play with spirits and demonic things. And he's very, I mean, he, he really got messed up in a lot of different things. God saved him. He's been saved for going on two, going on three years, somewhere in that area. And he is in his word, and he loves the Lord. And uh, he will go talk to anybody, anywhere. He's got this thing on him. He knows that he's got a call to preach. We had a Wednesday night service, and I said, on Wednesday night, what we're going to do is we're going to play guitar, and we're going to worship. And I read that verse about uh, when we all come together, we all should have something, a song, a testimony, a hymn. You know, we had guys get up and sing. They couldn't really sing, but they sang. <laughs> they, I mean, I, I tried to play with him the best I could. He could not sing, but you know what? He sung to the Lord. I got to get up there, and he, hey, this is an interesting thing. God is doing something, and it ain't us. It's him doing it. Uh, the guy who got up and sang, uh, his name is Benji. He's one who ended up beating one of our brother-in-laws to death many years back and went to prison for it. Now he's a man filled with the Holy Spirit who goes place to place, and he'll travel reservations helping people, telling people about Jesus. You know, he's got something real on the inside of him. He's excited. When people come to the group, they're, they're amazed, and, and, and uh, some of the basic teaching, I mean, all they've had in that North Country was salvation, you're saved, and that's as far as they've gotten. And so some of the teaching about being set free, about living, walking in the Spirit, about walking in His presence, those are new things. They're new things. And so people are grabbing a hold of them, and we've got a, we've got a group that's getting tight-knit. Uh, when we had one share, I had five people get up there. I had four guys and a gal get up there, and every one of them could preach. I mean, they took off. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And it wasn't just where they knew. I mean, I got guys who are a couple years in the Lord. Even Sonny, uh, he's only a couple years in God, and he's in his high 50s, I know. But he knows how to grab a hold of anointing when he's teaching and preaching. He knows how to step into it. He knows how to do it. I'm like, what is going on here? And then another guy, that Benji, both of them, you know what they, it is? is they, used, they, know how to, they know how to work in the supernatural. They both come out of demonic things, and now they're born again, and they're saved. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And there's, there's every part of their being is we're here on earth for one purpose only, to let people know about who Jesus is. They can be saved. They can be set free. They don't have to go to these old, old ways, these, this Indian religion stuff. And boy, they're adamant about it. Man, they're, they're too. I, I don't even have to. You know, a lot of times when you start new work, you've got to watch weird things that come in. I don't have to. I've got three or four guys that they will be on it. I might have to pull them back. Don't kill no one. Pull, pull, pull back. Don't kill them. It's okay. We, we've got a couple ones who are coming who are um, uh, Mormons. And they're coming and, they're, and they're, they keep coming. You know, we're going to get them. We're gonna, and I told them, hey, we can get them. Don't kill them. Don't kill them. We can, we can get them. <laughs> got to get them focused, you know. But uh, God is doing something new. He's doing something new, and, and, but it, it, at the same time, it's something where we find ourselves in the place of, of just asking God, you know, what do, we, what do we need to be doing? A couple of those young guys, we begin to set them loose, it, it, and it's like they're looking to us, and they're telling us, hey, these are our pastors. You need to come to this church. These are our pastors. There's life in this church. You need to come here. This is the best thing that's ever happened in my life. And then on the 4th of July, we try to give people a break. We're like, well, we won't be there. It's the 4th of July because that's when we have our Wednesday night studies, and it would have been on the 4th. And they all decided, no, we're coming. We're, we all have off work, so we're going to have brunch at the college, and then we're going to have worship. We're going to have a time with God and a time together as his family because this is the best time of our week, and we don't want to miss it. And so we got a group that's getting hungry for God, and they're, some of them, it's not where we're trying to push out. They're just going. Uh, several ladies got together and said, hey, we wanted to show you a flyer, and we're going door to door. We're going to hand it out and pray with people. We're going to let everybody know. We're going to start bringing people in here. And I'm like, all right. What do you think? I said, I think it's great. Go right ahead. And they're like, well, we're going. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> Go, you know. And uh, so they're beginning to do that, and, and uh, we've got uh, George. I've been talking to him about some of his calling, and, and he's beginning to reach out, and they're having him come into Montana to some of the reservations there and preach. Um, and he's, he's young in the Lord in some things, but he, is, he loves the Lord, and he doesn't make any bones about it. And, and I'll tell you what, sometimes it's not about how much you know, it's about how much you're in love with Jesus. If you're in love with Jesus, it makes all the difference, and that'll come to our message today. But he, he's going out and he's coming into places in the Crow Agency and into Wolf Point, um, different places. And, and what he's finding is, is that there's a lot of places there that have nothing. And he's, and he's talking about us and he's like, you need to come with me next time. I told him about you guys. You got to come with me. You got you to help me do some things there. So we're finding doors open. Uh, we're finding more things than we can actually do. And actually, I sat down with a group of our guys who have a calling, and I've talked to them, and I said, the Lord told me in the beginning, we're going to be about five locations here, but I'm not going to preach them all. In fact, I'm not supposed to be a pastor on every place. That ones are supposed to rise up and do something. And so things are beginning to move along and come along, and ones are stepping up, and, and uh, quite differently, uh, God has challenged my thought process on building churches. Amen? That's a good thing. You know what he needs to do to everybody? He needs to challenge what we believe. Because sometimes, you know what? What we believe gets in the way. There ain't a whole lot of amens. Amen. Usually the only person who gets in my way is me. Satan does not have the authority to stand in my way unless I agree with him 
and I, and I am the problem in it then. Satan has no authority. My belief, my faith means everything. When I believe the way God does, God things happen. When I believe differently than God does, things that are God happen. Amen? And, and so in there, uh, just continue to pray for us. Uh, I tell you what, your prayers uh, are needed. Uh, when I talk about the good things going on, I'm talking there's also times of, of quite dryness that goes on there too. And there's times of, uh, in fact, a lot of times, uh, North Dakota isn't a place you want to put somebody who, who doesn't know how to stand on their own two feet because you need to stand on your own two feet and you need to walk with God. There, there's part of that culture there that God needs to redeem, honestly. And I see him doing it. I see him starting doing it. I'm seeing a unity starting in our groups that wasn't there, that wasn't even understood. And there's a strength coming there. But uh, continue to pray for us that, that uh, we just follow God and hear him and that we have the strength we need. And I, I do appreciate uh, this church here more than you know. Uh, I love the fact that we have a site that we can put our prayer requests on. And when people say they're praying, I know they're praying. It's just not like a buzzword. You know, prayer's coming your way. It ain't a buzzword. It's like when someone says, I'm praying, I know they're praying. And it means a lot. Uh, by the way, I put a, a thing on there about my friend the other day. His name is Rich. Uh, I talked to him last night, and the antibiotics are starting to work. He's starting to come through it. Um, I, I didn't have much mercy on him. We've been best friends since the third grade. And uh, so he was going through a lot. I said, so now are you talking to God again? He's like, yes, I am. <laughs> I said, it's amazing what it takes for some folks, isn't it? And he was like, I know, I know. I said, well, maybe it's time you start getting back in that right place again. He said, I know, I'm praying. My wife is, I said, not just praying. When you get up, you better do something. And, he, and I could talk to him that way because he knows all of them. And, uh, but you know what? He's starting to come through. They're telling him that he is going to recover. Everything's looking like it's going to recover. He's got some hard days ahead of him yet. The next three or four months are not going to be good months for him, but they will be months he will endure. And, and when, he, when he talked to me, he said, I'll call you next week so we can have time to visit. And so just con- continue to pray for him for salvation, him and his family. You know, he belongs to God. I know he does. You know, there's something about it. I know he does. So... But I appreciate the prayers on there, and I told them I'd tell the church that as well. Uh, this morning, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to look a little bit at faith and love, and I'm going to read in Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 16. That he would grant you, according to his riches of his glory, to be strengthened with the might through, this, through his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, might be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the, height, the length, the depth, and the height, to know the love of Christ, which patches, passes knowledge, that you might be filled, might be filled with all the fullness of God, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. I love this verse. 
This verse has so much in it, we could preach on it all day. I know you've been talking about faith, and I want to talk a little bit about faith and love a little bit and what that really means. Um, there is a place, and I love, it, I, just, I love how this verse starts bringing it together, and we're going to go through several more. But in this one here, it tells us that in verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love might comprehend what the love of Christ is. Listen, there, there's something about love and faith. Understand, you cannot operate in faith without being rooted and grounded in love. And I'm going to go through some other verses here too, but you cannot operate. Too many times, uh, I believe one of, the, one of the, might I say, deficiencies in Christ is that people try to operate in a faith, and that faith can almost get stern. Anybody ever see a faith that's really stern and staunch? And, and even as sometimes just too sharp to be good. Almost hurtful. You know, oh, you didn't get healed because you didn't have faith. I've ran into people like that. Faith and love operate together. There, there must be a, a, a rooting and grounding in love that we have. See, there, there's something different. The power of faith doesn't come from knowing scriptures. It comes from knowing God. Can you know God without scripture? Some. I mean, they go together, though. His word is part of who he is. But he doesn't stop at his word because I'm telling you, God cannot contain himself in these scriptures. There's no book that can contain God. But it's part of the scriptures, but it's not just knowing the scriptures. It's not just quoting the scriptures. It's not just doing those things. It has to do with a relationship. There's a part of that love that has to be uh, in us and it has to be active. It has to be active in it. It's not just some dead deal. Too many times I've watched people do that, even in Bible college, where you can pray the scriptures back to God and he has to honor them. Um, I have never twisted God's arm and ever won anything. Has anybody ever strong-armed God? I tried one time and he laughed at me. I pushed and pushed and he said, this is me you're pushing and you will not push me. And I was like, but I want my way. We do that as believers. You know, I, I, I laugh at our granddaughter too because it's like, but I've got to have my way. <laughs> you don't understand. It's my way. But it doesn't work. Galatians 5 and verse 5 and 6. It says, For we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of the righteousness by faith. For in Christ there is neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. Listen, in here, I, I like how it says that it, it doesn't matter if you're the circumcision or not circumcision. I'll bring that into the New Testament. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian or if you're not a Christian. We'll put it like that. It doesn't matter how much of a Christian you are. That doesn't produce anything. What produces something is when faith is beginning to work through love. See, there is, there's something about if faith is real faith, it should produce something. Amen? Faith should produce something. It, it does not produce, I mean, there's times, I'm telling you, there's times in faith, and when you read through, uh, I was talking to Glenn the other day, we're looking at some things in Hebrews 11. There's parts of faith where people got to see faith in their lifetime. But there's also parts of, of Hebrews 11 where people did not get to see it happen. 
until it, it, they were already dead and gone before they seen it. There's some people by faith, they were delivered from a hardship, and there's other people that had faith through the hardship. And, they, and it says the world wasn't worthy of them once they were taken home. And so there, that faith is, is, is something, but it, but it has to be active. It has to be productive, and it only is. It says, but faith working through love begins to produce something. Only faith through love produces. Only faith through love produces. If faith is outside of love, it doesn't produce. I'm going to start going into what love is, but we need to understand these two are not separated. I didn't count how many times it's in the Word, but over and over again you'll find faith and love in the same verse. And there's a reason why, is that you can't separate them. Um, Jesus, Jesus and his ministry, one of the things I love that he did is that when he would go somewhere, he would see the crowds. I've never had this experience yet. And uh, he'd see the crowds, and, and it says that, that he, would, he would begin to look upon the crowd, and he'd be moved. He'd be moved with compassion. And he would heal every infirmity. How did it start? He was moved. What? With love. And I want to say there's two parts to that love. That first love comes with that relationship, has to do with the relationship with the Father. And Jesus had that, didn't he? He said, I only do what I see my Father do. You know, I'm, I, we're one. We're not on different deals. You know what? There's, there's something about it. When you begin to have that relationship with God, and all of a sudden you begin to, to walk with him and you begin to know the Father. If you want to have faith, begin to know who God is. It'll produce a faith on the inside of you as you see who the Father is. As you begin to have the Father's heart, what will happen is, is that faith will begin to be active in you. Instead of thinking about telling people about Jesus, something inside of you will grab a hold of you and you'll say, I need to tell that person about Jesus because I know how my Father feels about that person. And I know what he's telling me. When Jesus looked over that crowd, understand something happened in that moment, but he walked with the Father, and I believe him and the Father had times, in those times, if, if, he, if he could do it, there'd be times where he looked at that crowd. It wasn't just that he seen people. First, he seen his Father, and he said, listen, there's something here. My Father's heart is for these people. And I want to I say this, because if this messes with faith, it's okay, because maybe that faith should be messed with. Jesus healed every sickness, whether they deserved it or not whether they were trying to be holy or not, whether they were a jerk or not, whether they were bad to their parents or not. Oh, yeah. Whether they're bad to their spouse or not. Because I can tell you, in any crowd, you will have all that mix. Whether they were a criminal or not. There was criminals who got healed that day who belonged in jail. And nowhere, here's the amazing thing. I want to understand it, picture that love a little bit. It comes from the Father's heart, but it also was towards people. And he loved them where they were. And we're going to get into what love is a little bit because I, I, I think we don't understand how some of that works. Um, he loved them and he healed them even though he knew they weren't going to serve him in that day. Why would he do that? Because he loved him. There's something about the love of Christ that passes all knowledge. Sometimes we think there's knowledge connected to that love and there ain't in Jesus. 
See, there's a place where there's, there's, there's in the end, there, by no means is Jesus going to just let everybody walk into heaven because there's a place where he'll say, either I know you or I don't. You either had a relationship with me or not, but he loves every person exactly the same way. He loves them with an undying love so much that he gave his own life for them. Every person. And so when Jesus went through that crowd and he healed people, he healed people, and I believe very much so that when Jesus said, I don't know about you, but... But I know when the anointing of God comes and God begins to sh- talk to me and begins to do things, I can't turn things off. I just hear them. There's times where I'm in a line and God will say, here's what's going on, here's what's going on. I, don't, I rarely say it because until God tells me you need to say this, I won't say it because it ain't my place to say until he tells me what to say. Just because you hear something don't mean you should say it. Amen? That's just like, just because you think it don't mean it should come out of your mouth. They teach you that when you're little, yeah. Just because you, just because you hear it, don't mean you should. I believe you just sat there and he's like, "This one here, they're going to be dead in a week. They're running hard from me, but they still need my touch. I still love them." His faith works through love. The love of what? The love of the Father and loving other people. It had nothing to do, listen, this is something that's interesting because there's parts of faith we need to get. And and, and that part we need to get is that sometimes we think there's some things that we do and we earn and we don't earn it. Well, I earned my healing. No, you did not. How many know we did not earn salvation? Not on our best day. On our best day, if we got what we deserved, it would not be Jesus. We don't, it was what? Through faith, by faith, through grace, you were saved. Right? Is that right? Am I saying that right? All right. I'm making sure. Every once in a while, I don't say something right, and Jackie's like, switch it around. <laughs> Why isn't it the same thing for healing everything else? It's by faith. It's by faith. And that faith isn't always something we deserve, it's not something we earn. It's not something that we, and, and, and this is a hard thing sometimes, because sometimes we, we, what happens is, is because of faith issues, people jump in and out of a relationship with God. Why? Because faith and love go together. And if you're going to walk in faith, you've got to walk in love too. And there's a place where when I walk in faith and love, there's a part where, God, I need your healing. I need your touch, God, and I believe in you, and I walk with you. And if I get that healing, I praise him because he's my father, and I love him. And I get up, and I continue walking. But if I don't get that healing, there's a faith and love on the inside of me where he's still my father, and I still love him, and there's nothing changed in that realm at all. Why? Because it's not about, it ain't about other things. There's something about that that it's, it's easy to walk with him when you're in a relationship with him. Too many times we walk with God based on what we think is faith, but we, don't, we leave out their love part. And we can't leave out the love part. See, I love the book of Job because Job went through some hard stuff. And he did get corrected. Job was not a perfect man. But in his deal, I loved how he said that, you know, though he slayed me, I'll still praise him. He's still my God. I don't care what everybody thinks. I don't care what's going on. I don't care if I'm sitting here and ain't got nothing. I don't care if we're doing a deal. And, there's a, and you're working and doing everything you know God has you do, and you're walking with him, and then whatever someone else has to say, I don't care what they got to say. Why? Because I walk with God. My faith is in him. Why? Because my relationship is in him. 
And there's something about faith and love go hand in hand. And it does even in the body of Christ because there's something about it. The more and more I love Jackie, the more I have faith in her. That's why the church should be awesome. Why? Because we should love each other to the place that we have faith in each other. Amen? Where I've got faith, I know she'll do what's right. Even though there's sometimes that she might not, I know she'll do it. <laughs> she has faith in me sometimes. Because sometimes she's like, I hope he does good. I hope he does good. <laughs> I know he will, but I'm praying because I know Damon's got a little thing called a temper once in a while. I know he's got other parts there God's working on, but I got faith in him. Hey, that means a lot. Hey, there's, there's something about it where we should operate. When we, uh, as I'm preaching this, that faith has to do with God, but it has to do with people too. Because the truth is, is that if I don't have relationship with people to the place where I have this love and this faith working together, I don't trust people unless I have that working in my life. See, if I don't trust Sai, then something's wrong in our relationship. Unless, unless there's really something going on that I shouldn't trust Sai, but nothing I know of. Leroy's has not told me anything. <laughs> and she would tell me. You know, that there's something in there that I can believe when I have different... Listen, this, this is powerful because we don't understand this. We, faith has been made in America into a weird dynamic where if I can have my standalone faith... It'll work, and it doesn't. And many people walk in condemnation because it doesn't. Oh, I have faith. I have faith. And I've watched ones do this weird twisted thing, and I'm like, no. And they'll do it. Sometimes they'll do it all the way to the grave. God said he will raise. I said, no, he didn't. <laughs> you know, and it's like, how many know that one time in your life God will not heal you? Has anybody figured that out? One time. And it's the time you die. Why? Because it's important on the man one time to die. But I'm telling you, when you know Jesus, that'll be the best day of your life, not the worst day. See, when I walk into glory, I'm not going to say, oh, man, I wish I was in Kirksville. <laughs> you know, if I could just give up all this, this new body and seeing Jesus with no, no mirror between us anymore, I'm not looking through a glass dimly, but I can see the face of my Savior, I'm going to give up all that because, boy, I really wish I was in Kirksville. I miss going to High V. <laughs> you know, I could just go to Kirksville High V, you know. Oh, wouldn't that be great? No one would give that up. They'd be insane. You know? That'd be the best day of our life. But I'm telling you, there's some things we, we need to understand how God works. And how we understand how he works is that we get into a relationship with him. And we allow him to be our father. And we get into that inner place with him. We say, God, be my father. Be my king. Teach me. Let me understand you. And we begin to fall in love with Jesus. That's how faith begins to pour out of us when we fall in love with who he is. See, without that, that faith does not produce. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian coming to church or if you're one not going to church. That means nothing. What means everything is, is that I have a faith that's connected to the love of my Savior, and I love him so much. I've got a group of, of and I'm saying they're young people, but none of them are young. I'm actually in the lower half of being younger in that group, aren't I? Yeah. It's, I don't understand how God does everything. I, don't, I, I wouldn't pick me. He does. You know, amen. You know, understand that. God does what he wants to do. But as we stepped in there, uh, 
I've got ones who are older than me who've been through more things than me and harder, and they're just coming, and they're like, I'm, I'm so thankful you're here. You're my pastor. And, and, they, and, they're, and they're getting up, and they're doing ministry stuff, and they're running, and, and they come right back, and they tell everybody, you've got to come back and see what we got. Come on. You've got to come back and see what we got. And, and I'm like, I'm blown away by it. I'm taken back. Now, do we have some wildfire in our group? Yes, we do. We've got some. I'd rather have wildfire than no fire. Listen, any, any old wet blanket could put out a fire. Amen? They're easy to find. <laughs> Amen, Pastor. <laughs> and, and some of their wildfire, I'll let them go on with it. They got a couple ideas that are weird. I got one guy who believes the world is flat. It's flat, the world, yeah. And you know what? I really don't care. Because when he talks to people, something comes over him and he starts telling them, hey, you need to come out of that stuff you're in and you need to know Jesus. And there's something that rises up on the inside of him and I'm like, man, that's the part God's after building. That other stuff will fall off over time. I'm not worried about it. I am not the corrector of the brethren. I'm there to build people up and help them be who God wants them to be. And that conversation will come sometime and I'll say, hey, let's leave that one in the box, you know. There's some things we should, even politics, let's leave them in the box. Why? Because I ain't preaching politics, we're preaching Jesus. Right. If you haven't noticed, every kingdom that ever was will fail. America will fail, but his kingdom never will. And I'm after the eternal city, I'm not after this one. Amen? Amen. And if it takes America to crumble for our youth to come back and know Jesus, let it crumble. Amen. Amen. Let it fall flat on his face because I see droves of young people who need to know Jesus. And if it takes some kind of hardship to come and hit our land, let it hit our land. I'd rather see kids coming to know Christ through hardship than be babied into what's being babied today. Amen? amen. No, you know, no young people are saying amen. Amen. <laughs> amen. Let all the computers fry out. Amen. Joy said, hey, man, yeah, you're still a young person yet, too. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, whatever it takes. But, but understand, when it, when it talks about, I want to look at a couple things, too, is, is uh, when you talks about faith working through love, what is love? It's a lot of things, isn't it? Corinthians 13 says what is patient. It's kind. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. Gentle, has self-control. Our faith should look like that. Why? Because that's what faith works through and produces. Faith does not look rude. When I run into some people and you, you touch them, you say, are you, are you, you know, you, you just, as a, sometimes the pastors get called into weird situations. You get called into situations when some, a lot of people are in desperate need and uh, you'll go into a situation, I've been in situations, um, I'm sure you have, Glenn, where, where someone has already determined what their faith is, and, and you go to talk to them, and they about chew your head off for, for even talking to them, because I, I will not compromise my faith because any other person, because God will deliver me, and God alone will deliver me, and all you Christians can say, and, and I've, have you run into that? I mean, I've run into ones that kind of wait, and I'm like, have you ever thought about Ritalin? Ritalin would help. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> help bring it. I got a couple drivers that I tell them I'm going to start giving them cookies with Ritalin in it because I got some drivers who are kind of, they're oil field drivers. 
and they're almost bipolar sometimes. And I'm like, I think I could slip some Ritalin in your cookies and it would help balance you out. <laughs> and, and they love me. They think I'm great. So we get along fine. But uh, what happens is, is that faith is not rude. Faith don't make you look like a porcupine. Faith don't make you look like some kind of weird deal. It looks kind. It looks like there's some kind of control there. How, how are they in control? It's patient. Faith is patient. It's patient with your child instead of trying to strangle them. Amen? Anyone who ever has a teenager, they know what I'm talking about. There's testing times. Love is patient. It's kind. It's not self-seeking. It's not all about you. Faith ain't all about you. It's about the kingdom. It's about your father's work. And it begins to take on a different look. And sometimes faith doesn't work because there's so many other things going on. There's so many other agendas happening. There's so many other things that are part of that, but it's not just connected with love. You know, it's not in that place where, where you know, I, I need my kid to be fixed today. Hey, I'm going to tell you something. Anybody here as a teenager be fixed in one day? Raise your hand. No. Oh, amazing. Well, then it hasn't changed yet. There is no teenager who's fixed in a day. Why? Because they're growing and developing. And they're an awesome age. Have fun with them. Have fun with them. See, there's something about it that, that, that uh, I know I caused my, my family distress, and our daughter has caused us times. And, and there's sometimes where you can almost get to the deal where you get frustrated and everything else. Hey, that ain't faith. Faith doesn't operate in frustration. Faith doesn't operate in anger. Faith doesn't operate in fear. When I'm full of fear, that's not faith. Too many times we do that. It's, and we begin to pray faith the scriptures in fear. That's not faith produces. Why? Because it works through love. And love is something that is patient. You know, nowhere on your worst day when you were away from Christ did Jesus fall off the throne because he's looked at your life and said, oh no, they might not make it. I think there's times where you just told the angels, hey, watch this one. This one's going to be fine. They're going to hit some walls, and boy, are they going to, it's like the funniest home videos. Watch them run into this wall. Because I know when they hit the wall, it might not be the first time. Their nose is going to be flat before they figure it out, but eventually they're going to get up, and they're going to say, I need God. And when they do, we're going to dance, and we're going to have a party in heaven here. But until then, he's not losing sleep over it. What? He's interceding, he's praying what? in faith, in love. Day by day, he continues on. He doesn't quit. And somewhere in there, as believers, there's something powerful about being able to operate in what true faith is. And true faith doesn't panic, it doesn't fret, it doesn't fall apart. It doesn't go based on, uh, on emotions. You know, there's, there's one deal I, I did a teaching a while ago on. And, and I, I've really noticed this in myself even. There's times that we begin to make faith statements and we, we think it's, it's because we're hearing God, but we're not hearing God. It's just our emotional state at the moment. Um, the first time something bad happens, our emotional state will... Anybody ever freak out? I do on the inside. I try to keep a straight face. You know, Glenn's freaking out face. That's it. It's the same every day. It looks the same as his happy face. You know, it's it just, it is. 
and, and you kind of keep them things in there, but, but uh, you have moments like that, and, and pretty soon you begin to panic. And you begin to, because here, here, the word tells us what? Faith comes by what? By hearing. And we start hearing things, but they ain't God. And we start grabbing those things. Why? Because they fit what we want. You know, anybody when you're a kid would pass up a piece of pie for, for like meatloaf? Anybody? No, they never gave you a choice at our house. You always ate the meatloaf first. You know, and then the pie, you know. But uh, sometimes we do that as believers, the first thing that comes along. First thing that comes along. That's why we have all kinds of things happening that have nothing to do with faith. They got something to do with something else. And they don't produce. Every young person here, hear God on who you're supposed to be with. Why do I say that? Because sometimes that first thing that looks really good ain't God's. And it might look good on the outside, but once you get that thing home, it ain't good no more. And 80% of your happiness or misery will come from who you marry. And everybody said, who's married? Amen. 80%. Hey, it makes a difference. There's no way I'd be doing ministry if I didn't have a wife who was behind me helping me. There's no way I'd be doing it. I would refuse to do it because I know I couldn't. But I've got a wife who prays. I've got a wife who stands behind me. I've got a wife who helps. I need that. Man, you need it. God puts you together as partners. And there's something about that, that when we do things, instead of just taking what we think we want, well, God said this, and, I, and sometimes people say that. I was like, in my mind, I know he didn't. But I won't say nothing. They'll go through the hard time and let them figure it out because sometimes what it is is that we grab what we feel instead of just hearing him. Saying, God, I need to hear you. I don't just need to feel an emotion. I don't need to feel a goosebump. I don't need to feel good about it today. I need to hear you. I need to hear you. See, there's something about it. There's times where I, I tell that story, and sometimes Jackie's like, I got to tell that story better. We're, we're, we're get to, before we start dating even, um, I ask God who I'm supposed to marry. And I asked him on purpose. I said, because the truth is, is I marry crazy. I, I mean, I, I don't marry, but I... I date crazy women. It's like, I don't know what it is. I just had a knack. If there's a crazy one in a bunch, I would find her. And, I, and so I went to Bible college. I was like, God, I, I've failed in so many things in my life. I really want to serve you with everything I got. And I want a woman who loves you, who's going to serve you their whole life. And I want you to show me this woman. And until you do, I'm not going to date. And, and I didn't. And uh, what happened is one day God began to tell me her name. Jackie Barrestale, and I, and I began to say, well, I don't know. And sometimes Jackie would say, well, you're saying like, well, you were kind of doubting it. No, I was doubting me because I wanted to hear clear. I just didn't want it to be an emotional deal. I didn't want it to be a deal that I just jumped into. I wanted to hear clearly without my, my emotions in the mix of things. God, what do you have? What direction am I going? It's not about how I feel. When I follow how I feel, faith goes out the window and it's about me. And it's not about true faith. I stop hearing God and I start following my emotional want. I want that. Me and Jackie, we're already friends. I like Jackie. I mean, she played basketball. She cooked. She did all these things. I was like, she's awesome. 
But he had talked to me a couple times, and he, even then I was a little bit scared about it. Because it's like, God, I don't want to be wrong. I want to follow you all my life. You know, God brought us, brought us to it. And it needed to be. But somewhere we've got to make sure we're hearing God in this stuff. Not just what we feel. Because what we, what we feel gets us messed up. Peter did that, didn't he? Peter, Peter in, in the Bible, he was walking with Jesus, and Jesus told him that. He, he said, who do, who do you say I am? And Peter said, you're the son of God. He said, boy, Peter, you heard that from the Holy Spirit. And a little while later, Jesus talked to him about having to go back to Jerusalem and die. Peter freaked out on the inside. I understand in that moment, something happened to Peter. Peter's like, you can't die, Jesus. You're my friend. You're my savior. You're, you're the Messiah. You can't, you're everything. I've, I've laid out my whole life, and I've followed you these last three years because I know who you are. I've seen you raise the dead. I've seen you do miracles. I know you're the son of God. You can't be killed. I can't lose you. And so what happened is, is Peter thought he was still here in the spirit. He wasn't. He was hearing his emotions, and he said, he got up, so, and he, he rebuked Jesus. Why? Because he thought he was still hearing God. He wasn't. He was hearing his emotions because his emotions began to freak out. You can't leave us, Jesus. He didn't understand the Holy Spirit. He didn't understand. Jesus said, I must go. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's going to come. And he ain't going to just be in one place at one time. He'll walk with everybody. He'll lead you and guide you into every speck of truth you need. He'll bring you into the great things I have step by step. Peter just didn't understand that yet. He didn't understand what that was coming. Instead, he, he was living in that moment. He was living in that place like, I don't want to see you go. I want to see you go. And he thought it was God. And what did Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, another teaching lesson. Get behind you, Satan. Why? Because you're thinking like a man instead of like God. You're thinking like a person. What do you say? You're not hearing God. You're not in faith. You're, 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 the faith you're in is not real faith. In fact, it's really produced by fear, Peter. This is demonic. It's taking you on the wrong path. And we have to be careful on that. Because there's some time, I'm telling you, there's some times that we, we need to be oh so careful. There's times where I thought for sure that I knew in, in building churches and doing things, there was a couple different people that I thought for sure that I had to hang on to. And, 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 uh, and I know there's times that I did, but I know there's times that I know one guy I thought I had to hang on to, and I, I pulled on him, and I pulled on him to stay part of things with church. And when I got done, I was driving home, and God talked to me and said, who told you to do that? I'm like, well, it was, it was right to do. He's like, you never asked me. I was like, what? And he had to just give me a lesson. He's like, I have been removing him for a reason. And you have just set that back. And he said, for the next couple of months, you're going to go through some hard times because of that. You know what? I did go through some hard times. I went through some rough stuff. I should have just done it in the first place. I should have just, I should have asked him in the first place. But sometimes we do things based out of our emotions. We don't do it out of faith. Faith is what? Hearing God. That's faith. It starts where? Hearing God. God, what are we supposed to do about this child who's a wayward child? Hear God. That's where it starts. God, what am I supposed to do about this health situation? Hear God. That's where it starts. 
What am I supposed to do about this? Hear God. That's where it's going to begin. What about my work? Hear God. What about the calling on my life? Hear God. Start with that. That's where it begins. Faith begins when we begin to hear him. And that hear doesn't just mean that we, we hear him, but there's also that obedience part. And we all know what? God says, don't say you love me and, and don't obey me. What? He knows that we love him. Why? Because we do obey him. So that hearing God really means listening to God. So there's an obedience part that comes into it. So not only do I hear God what I'm supposed to do, I begin to obey him. What happens when I obey him? As I hear God, faith begins to come. As I obey him, my faith begins to work through love. You can't separate faith and love. Why do I obey him? Because I love him. Because he saved me. He pulled me out of a pit. Why wouldn't I obey him? He's never let me down. He's my king. Why wouldn't I just get up and obey him? See, there's something about it that when we do it, it works. There's some things I know when we first talked about going to North Dakota, I remember years ago telling God, I would live anywhere but except partial North Dakota. Because <laughs> even on that reservation, I was like, that is the most desolate place. Barney Fife would not even live in partial North Dakota. For you older ones who know who Barney is. It's a desolate place. It's like, why would you do that? You know, I love it. I love it. Why would we go? There's nothing there. No, there ain't nothing there, but God's making something there. He, he's, he's, he's beginning to spring up something in the desert that ain't been there. There's something happening that hasn't been there. I don't even know what it all looks like yet. I'm just trying to follow, hear him, and have faith and walk with him. And, and it's in a place where I don't, and, and I really, I don't have just a master plan. I talked to Glenn about some things. There's some things God talks to me about. I'm like, really? wow, how's that going to happen? He's like, just follow me. I'm like, okay, I've got, I don't have the master plan. I've got the master, and I'm following his voice step by step. Our, our, isn't, doesn't the just live by what? Faith. We live by faith. And that word just means more than that, doesn't it, Glenn? I'm going to take part of your message. <laughs> that... That word just has a lot more to do with giving, being given the place of authority than it is a place of forgiveness. It's, it's more giving the place of worth. And I'll let Glenn teach more on it, but what happens is, is that the just, those who have authority, the just, those who God said are deemed worthy, the just, that's what it's talking about. Those ones there live by faith. If you want authority to see things change, live by faith. Not by sight. Learn how it is to walk in the love of God by faith. Not by the way we feel. It changes things. And since we've been there, things are just... And, and it's like we're not, we're not having just amazing times where God's just fellowshipping with me and Jackie, laying out a big blueprint all the time. We're just walking. And sometimes we're tired walking too. You ever notice that? Yeah. We're tired walking. We're still walking. Still walking. Yeah, I, I, was, uh, I got to preach in Haver, uh, Montana, and I preached that uh, Sturms, Sturms have a motto, and it's like we never know when to quit. That's our motto. I said we will keep going when other people would have gave up a long time ago. And it's kind of like the Ernest movies. He never knows when to quit. 
and uh, and uh, they were laughing because they my dad was is 70 he's gonna get a hip transplant he had it he still tried to carry air conditioners up ladders with no hip and I'm like really dad really you know I talked to him two three times I'm like we're gonna come out I'm gonna visit just don't do nothing when I get there I'll work all Saturday I'll do everything you need all I need is a day It'll get done, and he, you know, he couldn't do it. Why? Because he never knew when to quit. You know, it's part, part of our motto, and, and, and sometimes that's the way it is. I think that's why God put us up here. It's like, they don't know when to quit. I'm going to put them up here so we don't get it, so that they won't quit. <laughs> because there's some days you're, like, dragging ahead. Are we making it? I'm making it. And you're so tired. You're like, well, I'm barely making it, God. And then someone's getting saved, and you're like, oh, praise God. I'm so tired. That's awesome. That starts happening over here, and it's like, I'm not even doing all that. A lot of times, Jackie and I, I know I work about 11 hours a day at a job, which that job change has to come. Uh, we're in three locations, so our locations aren't that we show up. I, by the way, I miss that. I miss just showing up and having worship ready and having everything ready. And someone hands you a mic. Oh, that is awesome. That felt good this morning. <laughs> uh, you know, usually what it is is that we've, we've got that... Uh, kind of SUV out there for a reason because we fill it all the way full of instruments and everything else and, and up north everything you do you eat so there's that and there's food and, there's and so you go to one location you set everything up you get ready and then by the time you get ready people start coming then you got service you're done with that one you break it down you go home and you take about an hour break you get in the car again and you go to another place and Jackie's up at six in the morning cooking something that for that Sunday and and not only her we got several ones in the church who get up and do stuff. Why? Because it's a part of that culture. Um, but, it, boy, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Sometimes that faith ain't about the goosebumps. Jesus wasn't having goosebumps when he was looking at the cross. Jesus said, I think we need to go to the garden and we need to pray. You fellows want to come pray with me? <laughs> you know, and they, and they didn't do, do so well, but you said Jesus was what he had to get in God's presence. Why? Because he said, hey, there's some of this stuff here that's going to be painful. But I'm going to walk in faith. Some of the stuff's going to be hard, but I see my Father's plan. And if there's any other way, God, I would do it, Father. But if not, I'm going to drink that cup of pain. Why? Because it's worth it. By faith, he went to the cross, not by failure. People will say, if you have faith, you'll never have a hard time. Don't know who God is yet. I mean, people say that if you had faith, you'll never be sick. You'll never have baloney. I had one guy said, if you had faith, you wouldn't ever, there wouldn't even be any martyrs if you had faith. I said, so you're saying Jesus didn't have faith. We had to have a talk. They didn't understand. Aren't you glad Jesus was a martyr? I am. Because he died for me. Amen. He died for all of us. It's awesome. You know? His, his faith and love took him to that cross. And while he was there, that faith and love was still working. Because in the middle of everything, he said, hey, you disciple, take care of my mom. I love my mom, and I'm not going to be here, but you're going to take care of her. In the middle of being beaten. In the middle of being torn apart, a criminal at his side says, hey, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he says, I tell you what, you're going to be with me today in paradise. That's where we're going to meet. See, Jesus worked in that place of faith. It was amazing. Why? Because it was through love. 
But you will not have that love except you get in the presence of God. It starts in the presence of God because honestly, our human nature is quite selfish. Has anybody figured that out? We like thinking about ourselves. I mean, there's times when I'm far away from God, I think, Jackie could use a nice dress, but I really like that gun. <laughs> and after a while, I start looking at it, and I'm like, you know, Jackie's got a lot of dresses. <laughs> I don't even know if she likes that color, but I like that color. You know, we're selfish by heart, you know. Uh, she, she has more dresses than I have guns. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll continue on. That's a rabbit trail. (laughs) But there's a place that when you get in God's presence, you stop being selfish. You start learning what real love is. When I get before my father and I begin to realize how much he loves me and how much he cares about me and how patient he is with me, it's not so hard to start looking at people in my community and say, you know what, God loves them. They're broken. Maybe I need to find a way just to, to serve them. Maybe I need to find a way to do something. Maybe I need to quit just trying to take care of myself and I need to take care of somebody else. That's where faith begins to work. What to love? There's, you know what? If it was just about faith, changed everything, everything would be changed. Because we do believe in Jesus. Amen? Amen. We believe in his, his healing power. We believe in all those things. But there's something about faith through love. And when I get in his presence and I begin to fall in love with who God is, my faith all of a sudden works all by itself. Too many times people are trying to build their faith. I've got to build my faith. I've got to build my faith. I'm reading. I'm reading. Well, that's great. You're reading. But are you getting in his presence? Because when you get full of his love, something changes. When you get full of his love, I remember years back, Glenn and I went to a cat meeting where people were getting filled with the Spirit and, and, uh, and that joy was coming. And people were really getting, the, it was such a move among a men's conference that people were getting so full of God that they would, they would laugh for days. Like someone would laugh hysterical for like 20 hours. That's impossible to do, by the way. And then get up and love everybody. Went to those meetings and I had the power of God hit me in that meeting I remember Glenn had to help me walk because I couldn't walk. I, I, I literally could not walk. I was, I was like, just the power of God was amazing in that meeting. And I remember the first thing I got up, the thing that struck me the most is I seen some brothers and sisters in Christ who, who um, I love, but I really don't like them. <laughs> Anybody ever had that? You know, I, or sometimes people say, well, I love you with the love of the Lord. Well, what's that? You got that in your pocket or something? You know? <clears throat> But it's like I looked at, I loved them. That in that place where the Spirit of God was full, there began to be a love. And it was amazing because in the middle of that, I remember we went to the back and they were praying for somebody, the back of the auditorium. I glenn and there was another pastor who just really, literally helped me walk because it was like I was drunk, but I was was just filled with the Spirit. And, And we were getting close and Glenn says, have Damon pray for him. And there's a group of guys surrounding this guy praying. And when I laid my hand on him, it was like a million volts of electricity went shooting through me. Everybody in that circle got hit with the power of God. And it's like I couldn't let go of the guy's head. And he just went down. And we just stood there. And the power of God just manifested. And I was like, what's going on? 
What it was is I began to flow in the love of God instead of just having faith. We made things about faith when they shouldn't be. When, when God said, he, we said, what is the greatest commandment? He didn't say faith. He said love. Love God with everything in your being, every part of your, 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 your day, every part of what you have, the best part of your strength, love him. And, and there's times that we wonder, well, why isn't God moving? Because we love lunch more than we love what's going on in church. Amen, pastor. You know, we love, we love the football game and the football party. We get more excited about a football party than we do about coming together as believers. Why? Because the love ain't there. It ain't about the faith. It's about the love. Because there's something there, that little group in, in, that we have in that little Newtown group, there's something about that group. I've got leaders coming up in that group and growing in that group. But the truth is, is that there's a love in that group that is growing. When we're in that group, it's like we've known some of them people for 20 years, but I haven't. We've just known them this year. And I can see them in the middle of a crowded deal in town, and some of them will push their way through, and they'll say, hey, brother, I'm glad to see you. And they'll just come, and they'll give me a hug. And they ain't ashamed of Christ. They ain't ashamed of me. They ain't ashamed of nothing. Why? Because they're in love with Jesus, and they want everything God has to happen, happen in that place like it does in heaven. God doesn't need to challenge our faith. Sometimes he needs to challenge our love. Because our faith is useless without love. Our faith is useless without love. That's why the enemy works so hard at getting us to be loveless. He works so hard at getting, away, getting us away from God. If you try to get in God's presence every day, something will try to fight you every day. Why? Because you'll become dangerous if you're in God's presence every day. You won't have to work on your faith. Your faith will start working. Why? Because your faith is, it says God gives everybody a measure of faith. I got guys who have a measure of faith. They don't have all the scriptures down to back it up, but they got faith. That one guy, George, I talked to him. George Goodleft, he's one I'll bring up here sometime. And I started to cut him loose. He wasn't even confident. I, I began to talk to him and say, listen, you have the evangelistic call on you. Start doing something. What are you waiting on? I said, I'm going to have you fill in for me when I ain't here, but you should at least once a month be looking at going somewhere and telling people about Jesus. And so he did. He started going to Montana. He started doing different things there. He's got more stuff coming up. He's got people starting to pull on him. He was in a home setting with someone, and just a couple groups in our, family, uh, in our church family there that uh, they, they just had a time of eating and fellowship, and next thing you know, they begin to pray. Because uh, just something moved them. Or they wanted to start praying for that whole area and they just begin to pray and go around and start praying. This lady's son came out of the bedroom. He's just a really big guy. He's a huge fella. Uh, the week before, he just got beat up. A couple guys really beat him up pretty bad. Um, and he's not saved. He doesn't want to hear much about Christ, but he came walking in the room and he said, would you guys mind praying for me? And uh, George, which George is a big Sioux man. His dad, I remember his dad too, big Sioux man. And, and George, George, when you see him too, you, you, you might wonder just looking at him if, he, if it's okay to talk to or not because he could look like he could have a, be a little scowly. Go ahead, you go down there, babe. Take it with you. But anyway, George said, he said, in that moment, he said, Jesus talked to me. Jesus said, he needs to feel my love. He said, go put your arms around him and let him feel my love. 
and, and George is, and you're, you're like, what? George just got up, went up, and he just put his arms around that guy, and he said, I just held him tight. He said, the power of God came and just laid him out under the power of God. He's a non-believer. Just laid him out in the middle of that prayer meeting, so they just continued the prayer meeting, and they just prayed for him as he was laid out, passed out in the middle of the floor. When he got up, he started talking about who Jesus is. Now, I'm telling you, something impacted that young man that day. But it had more to do with love than it did faith. The love of Christ compels us. The faith of Christ doesn't compel us. The faith of Christ is supposed to work through us, and it's supposed to work through love. But the love of Christ is what grips us and doesn't let go. And there's something about his love that has to come back to that faith message. Because it's not about these little one, two, three things, because that doesn't work. If it worked, the church in America would be doing awesome. More awesome than it is. We need to come back to that place of love. Back to that place of knowing him, hearing him, being in his presence. And I'm telling you, the second part of that is that we need to come to that place in his body where we begin to love one another. The more you love one another, the more you're going to trust one another. I'm telling you, there's somewhere where if the body's going to work and be effective, it has to work with love. It has to work with trust. I can't, it's hard, you can't, you can't, you know, in the world, they work together in the workplace, and you get people who are at odds in the church, it ought not be so. That's what the King James says, ought not. Somewhere in the church there should be, man, I can see the work of, work of God going on inside of Jeremiah, and I trust with Jeremiah because there's a work of God on the inside of him. There should be something where we should be patient, kind, not self-seeking, not getting on our soapbox, just loving God and loving each other. And it says when we begin to do the things that God has us do, which we do those things, the closer we get, it says what signs and wonders follow. I think too many times we, we seek after the signs and wonders. We seek after the key of faith that'll make it happen. When it's not just a key of faith, it's love. And we need to love them. Brother Glenn. Just, just bow your heads for a few moments here. Just let the Spirit of God challenge. There's some of you that are being challenged right now. Because we've missed a lot of this just simply by that fact we've tried to build faith separate from love. And it just doesn't work. And God's challenging you right now. I'm thinking of, of the word that Polly gave, and I've been processing that Damon throughout the message and to me I, I can't say it just like she says it but just like sparks flying out of a fire that there's going to be people going forth from here I don't know that I really like that but I don't know that God asked me <laughs> I don't Damon and I have talked about this for years we really would like to just be in one place working together for five ten years sometime just for kicks it's not going to happen. Simply because God's got business in the earth. And he's got business in the earth for you. And it's time to get past the American nonsense of being so sensitive that everything, every word that's spoken is somehow against you. Get past that 
and realize God has something for you to where you will work through love and his faith will flow through you. God has it for everybody sitting here. Yeah, there will be, you know, we're kicking off youth group today. That's a joyous thing to me. It's also a sad thing to me because I know some of them will be challenged to go somewhere else and do what God calls them to do. But my goodness, I'd rather have them doing that than running around town without Jesus. Folks, God is challenging us this morning, and I just challenge you to respond to that. Fire